Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Oh, I really wish I'd started on Now You've Got the Giggles. Uh, hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash CNE Games or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Dorian, Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us in the chat, um, well, I would normally say put your questions in there, but today's all about questions you already asked so <laughs> hold on to those um, <laughs> but i'm trevor bettis and i will be posing those questions to our, our, our two lovely people here and who are you for folks who may not know so i'm mitra jordan i work as a therapist in victoria bc um and i'm really into games of all kinds and, and that often comes up with my clients as well um and now Dr. Bokamatsu is laughing at me. Why? <laughs> Just the sheer understatement of games occasionally come up with the people I work with. Fair enough. This, Fair enough. That's a I work with a lot of gamers and occasionally they talk about games. I mean, I'm what shocked. Can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I work with a diverse population, um, many of whom also very much enjoy playing games. And I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy I'm getting to work with um, a lot of really interesting and wonderful clients. Um, and I'm also getting to work with Rafael Bocamazzo, who for long Italian name reasons, we often call Dr. B. I just introed him. Turn the tables on me. Well, hi everybody. I'm Doctor B. Hi. Yes, he he's Doctor B. I'm, I'm Rafael Bocamazzo, uh, like Mitra said, better known as Doctor B for long Italian name reasons. And welcome, Gara Raiders. Yeah, we had just a huge horde come in. Um, and yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist in Washington State. I'm also the clinical director over at Take This. Uh, .org, uh, one of the folks who is involved in the making of this show, thanks to the ben the behest of Idol Champions, and we're so appreciative to Idol Champions. Um, but yeah, I'm also an expert on the applied use of, of role-playing games in clinical and learning settings, and I just do so many things all over the places. <laughs> you're, in, you're in a lot of spots. Yeah, no, that's, that's my professional slogan. I'm around. Yeah, and, I, and I'm often in one place um, because I work mostly in private practice. But yeah. I get to do this wonderful stream. And of course, I get to talk about games a lot of the time with people and mental health. And really, I get to talk a lot about mental health. And I just get to talk a lot. 
<laughs> and you're everywhere as well. Yeah. And you know what, to, to kick off uh, this questions episode, because uh, like, like I said, the, this episode is about going back to questions that we've had throughout our four seasons. Four uh, seasons. Four seasons. This four. is the season finale of season four. four uh, wait, wait, if we're, the, if we're doing oh four gosh. seasons, should we like, sh should I do this like all in a Frankie Valley falsetto? <laughs> I was about to like, oh god! I'm a this little. I, I. Why not? I mean, <laughs> who be you? We're gonna. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, if I start singing "Walk Like a Man" in in the in like full falsetto, we're gonna get so many copyright strikes and also complaints. Talk like a man. No, we are not singing it for the purposes of copyright. Yeah. But I will have it stuck in my head for the rest of the day, and I will want to watch Heart and Soul later. Um, let's underrated kick romantic enough. movie. Underrated. Uh, so let's kick things off with a question that both of you said I had to do first, which is from Star Chaser Forty Three, which is, "Oh, can Mitra and Doctor B do an intro for Trevor? It would be fun." Lol. So what's my <laughs> intro? <laughs> Mitra, you want to kick this off with Trevor's intro? Ooh, let's see. So Trevor Bettis has an, has an extra A. Um, I feel like this is really key stuff that you need to know. Um, mm -hmm. Trevor mm -hmm. also has a wonderful cat that sometimes mm -hmm. has liked to interrupt things, mm -hmm. which I miss because it's kind of fun to see. Um, he's done a number of different really interesting podcasts, including... I think, was it called Sister from Another Mister? No, <laughs> from the same mister. mister. <laughs> from the same mister. You'd think I would know this stuff. Fun, funny enough, it was my sister from the same mister that suggested the name the of the show. The point would be the same mister versus the other mister. It is true. So, yeah. So, Trevor has, I, I think, done a number of podcasts that are really close to his heart. And I think that's what made him really, I think, both successful and wonderful to listen to. See, this is and why I didn't want to do it. Now I'm blushing. Oh, um, and I'm so glad that Trevor works for Codename because I think he's just fantastic and I really enjoy working with him. So that's a very personal intro. It tells you more about maybe me than Trevor. But All right. I'm, my, best here. My, I'm feeling too good. My ego's too high. Dr. B, knock me down. Oh, God. <laughs> going to do that? Thank Why you, are you asking Redis. a mental health professional to knock you down? Like, have you not? Because he not knows exactly to where to go. <laughs> Trevor Bettis was born at a young age. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I'm not Benjamin Button. Screaming. He's been doing it professionally ever since. <laughs> he screams about a lot of things. The complicated nature of family. Various, <laughs> oh various... <laughs> obscure facts from Dungeons and Dragons and related properties oh, such as the man. legendary Alabaster Booty Club. Oh. Did you say Booty Clasper? No, Alabaster Booty Clap. Alabaster Booty Clap. I like Booty Clasper and I'm keeping it. It's uh oh man, I'm gonna have to tell Erin that one. She needs to know with the evolution that's happening with her character. <laughs> Oh, no, no. Oh, this God. is sounding like a noir private eye intro. Um, Trevor Bettis was doing his podcast when she walked into the room. <laughs> the kind of host you dreamed about. The kind of host that brought you a burrito. Oh, I do love burritos. 
Uh, <laughs> okay, that that is all that my uh, embarrassment can take. Thank you both. You both are lovely people, and I love working with you so damn much. Um, <laughs> somebody put Trevor was born in the state of infancy. Uh, <laughs> okay, so... We're going to kick things off. Uh, I'm going to try and... Serious uh, now. Serious yes. now. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and give uh, context for what episode it was on, uh, but uh, sometimes I did forget to do that. Uh, so uh, this is from episode four, Distraction versus Avoidance. Uh, this uh, The question is from Abyssal Icarus. The thing I struggle with is that other people seem to be able to cope better. Like, I know people uh, who are like, oh, I was so uh, unproductive today. I only list 20 things that I would struggle with on my own. Mm. Meanwhile, I'm over here trying to remember to eat and brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is something that, uh, that might help with that? Is there anything... You know, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I think I think we both have quite a bit to say here. Though. Oh yes, I can see that. Um, oh, I have thoughts. But I wanna I wanna kick it off with something we talked about very briefly in the in the last uh, in our last um, stream, which was about no more zero days and this idea of just being able to do one thing. Um, and the other thing that I think comes up is the idea. We get stuck when we compare ourselves to others or when others just present stuff. We can't help it. I can see in this instance, it's not that Abyssal Icarus was looking for a comparison with another person, but they were in touch with someone else Mm -hmm. who was like, hey, I was unproductive because I only did X number of things. And I can really appreciate how it feels to hear that. Um, We have to remember that... Often when people come up with their list of things, they're comparing themselves maybe to themselves or others who are doing even more stuff. You know, there's always going to be someone who's doing better that day and someone who's having a more challenging time. Mm -hmm. Your own awareness and kindness to yourself about your challenging time is going to be the most helpful for you versus how others are doing. God, it's everywhere these days. Uh Instagram, Twitter. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. That was originally why I stopped using um, Facebook was because Mm. uh, all I saw were people I knew in high school uh, succeeding in ways I thought were better than what I was doing. And it just, I just found myself comparing myself to almost every post that was done where someone's just like, mm-hmm. oh man, I had such an unproductive day, but you know, I did, did all this stuff. And I'm just like, I played video games and then went sat in a parking lot for four hours because that's my job. And, and that, and that in my head didn't feel good. But when I look back at it, I'm just like, that was all I could have been doing at that time because I was also taking care of my grandfather. I was also, you know, uh, living where I was. And, and there was so much stuff that I couldn't be doing what those p- people were doing. And I was being productive, just not in the ways that I thought was successful. I think that I think exactly. that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really important point is that we do leave out aspects of our own context yeah. um, that, that derail us for very good reasons or that have us very intently focused on other really important work, looking after your grandfather, raising a couple of kids under the age of five or six. Mm-hmm. It's like also, you know, you're going to get constantly derailed in what you're doing, in what you think you should be doing, but mm-hmm. you're doing really important work. It's just hard to see that at the time. 
So a piece of it is really bringing in your life context. How much can I be doing? How am I feeling? You know, mm-hmm. am I dealing with chronic ill health? Am I dealing with some other challenges that they aren't going anywhere? Right? Yeah. Am I dealing with taking care of other people? Yeah. So. Yep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He's like, I'll let you say your piece. I know. <laughs> I'm writing things down. down. <laughs> taking, I'm taking notes on my own thoughts here. Okay, yeah, Mitra touched on Mitra touched on a really good point, and that's the idea of should, and um, I should measure up to a certain standard of behavior. First of all, why? That's an important question. Why do I need to measure measure up to somebody else's standard of behavior? But secondly, one of the things, and I'm going to speak only for myself because this is as someone someone on the spectrum who has a lot of ADHD symptoms as well. This is something I struggle with, especially being surrounded by such brilliant people. And I'm not, and, I, and I'm talking world-class people. Like uh, we've had Dr. Rachel Cohort on this show. She's our research director at TakeThis.org. Um, we've also got uh, Dr. Kelly Dunlap at Take This. Um, and in terms of um, Sarah Hay, Dr. Sarah Hayes works with us, and I'm surrounded by these brilliant, brilliant people who I get lucky enough to call friends and colleagues who are truly world-class. And I know I am an intelligent person, but I also know that I have certain cognitive limitations that don't allow me to work the same way they do. Rachel and Kel- Dr. Dr. Cohort and Dr. Dunlap especially are monstrous machines of productivity. <laughs> I will never be able to measure up to what they can do if that's my standard. Mm-hmm. Where I come in is I have to recognize what my strengths are and I have to recognize where, what I can do that also they can't because I've got, I've got capabilities and perspectives that they can and can't do, but I also have to recognize my own limitations. Yeah. My processing speed is not as good as theirs. My working memory is not as good as theirs. <laughs> yeah. I have to have scaffolds built into this and I have to measure myself by my own standards. Um, But I will say it is a constant struggle, especially being surrounded by people who are world-class brilliant. Yeah. That is a significant struggle. And sometimes I need reminders and I'm very fortunate that, that I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are willing to, without judgment, remind me of the things that I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. It's very vulnerable to ask. I'm also very glad that they're able to give it. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we're going to uh, jump ahead to uh, the episode 12, the Autism AMA, which you, you may remember. Um, no, I, I, black, I just totally zoned that out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't doubt it. I got emotional. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, CY Morgan. Uh, question, I have ADHD diagnosed at 30 and started wondering if I'm autistic. Psychiatrist told me it's avoidant personality disorder because someone with ADHD and ASD can't function without meds. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Without swearing? Uh, yeah, may, may, maybe. I, I, don't have, I don't have a... Without I, the I, I need to get a bleep button. that I'm making below the camera frame? <laughs> I should get a beep button that I that I can just beep you when you want to do I that. I am no, no. 
Okay. All right. I'm going to kick my feet up. All right. Let's talk about this for a second. Okay. Let's talk about the, 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 the myth that, you know, if you're functioning only in certain standards, you can't have a certain diagnosis. Okay. First of all, I have taken meds in the past for various psychological challenges, psychiatric challenges. They helped me a lot. I don't take any right now. I'm still autistic. I'm making another rude gesture below the camera frame. All right. To any, and I heard this before my diagnosis, you're getting a doctorate. You can't be autistic. Rude gesture below the camera frame again. Um, I'm making a lot of rude gestures that you can't see. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm, mm. and the idea that, yeah, you have to, that has to be certain things in order for this to be a diagnosis. Otherwise, yeah. I, mm. autism diagnoses are so much so much more complicated than most clinicians are aware of. And this is part of the reason that I, I want, especially if you are a student, get more education, get more education on, on ADHD, on autism, especially on autism, because adult autism diagnoses are so they're 20 years behind. Mm-hmm. 20 years behind and it's leaving people behind, especially people of marginalized identities, because most of the research that exists exists on people who look like me. Yep. And right now, when it comes to ADHD diagnoses, autism diagnoses, disproportionately, disproportionately, children of color are given alternative diagnoses like oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, and they're being treated as criminals as opposed to people with neurodivergence. And it doesn't benefit anybody. No. Oh, I have so many soapboxes on this. (laughs) Yeah. Gestures below the camera. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't think there's anything more that uh, I, I could add to that because, yeah, that's, that really does nail it. I will add one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this idea that you either um, need medication in some ways to almost con- confirm a diagnosis, like you can't possibly function without medication if you have, you know, particular kinds of diagnoses is so out of touch with the research, as you've said, and it's really out of touch with individuals' experiences and the context in which they live. I didn't actually start using meds for ADHD until um, I got quite a bit older and I coped with doing a uh, advanced degree while having three children under the age of seven. Mm -hmm. So I was coping with a whole lot of different distractions while getting that done. And it was only when I was older, as my body changed, my hormones changed and so on, that meds became something I felt would really benefit me. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, your life circumstances, your body, the context in which you live, all of these things come into play around whether meds are going to be useful for you now or not. And they're certainly worth trying for people if they want to, but it certainly doesn't deny a de- diagnosis or the reality of a person's experience, whether they are or aren't on meds, their experience is theirs. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, the, the, we're, 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 we're off to a start on this one. <laughs> we, 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 no, we're going for the jugular yeah. on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. My bow tie. 
Well, uh, the next one I've got here is uh, from the next episode, episode 13, the ADHD AMA. Uh, this huh. is from uh, uh, Vesper D. Question, when you find yourself hyper-focusing on things that aren't necessary uh, but are important to you, like D&D or Star Wars, how do you switch to caring about things like work or chores? How do you care about the things that you don't care about? I know, I know. It's <laughs> so hard. Yeah, that's the hard oh, It's so hard, yeah. Yeah, it really oh. is. Um, I think that um, this is certainly, for me, where pairing a chore with a pleasurable activity afterwards or doing what I remember Jessica mm. of how to ADHD called body doubling. Um, yep. I did a lot of that actually through grad school without yep. realizing it because I found it was much easier to study with someone else around, yeah. even if they weren't studying yeah. the same things. Yeah. So I think that there's a bunch of strategies um, that you end up using without realizing, oh, hey, this is actually related to neurodivergence, you know, in some way. Um, and and once that actually becomes a conscious thing, it becomes so much easier to activate these different um uh, what do you call them? What's where are my words today? See, um, these your words in great. Yeah, sorry, in great. No, your words in really great. Your words in really. I'm wordsing well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so you you then start being able to use more of the tools, and you can start talking to people who also have ADHD and have various tools that they've used. I think that that's. That mm -hmm. was my sort of take on the question. What yeah. about you, Trevor? Um, as, as like work and chores, I like, I kind of do find something pleasurable while doing it. Um, yeah. Like uh, I'm not at all saying that any part of my job is not pleasurable, but like something that I do to focus on work is that I have uh, something playing off to the side and it may not, and I may not be able to get my full attention to it, but it's something that is, um, my like uh right now I'm I've been watching through the prepare to try Dark Souls playthrough. And I'm interested in Dark Souls right now, so I'm getting that little bit of stimulation while getting my work done. But also they say funny stuff while they're playing. And so I get to laugh here and there. Um and so I'm still getting my work done, but I have something off over there that is kind of entertaining that part of my brain that wants to drift. And okay. And even during uh, home chores and stuff, I put in a podcast in my ear anytime I do any totally. chore whatsoever. Does yeah. not matter how short it's going to take or what it is. I have a podcast in my ear while I'm doing it because that lets my mind drift in a way that I can still focus on what I'm doing. My most recent thing, uh, I hate the I hate doing dishes. I hate it. And I've recently figured something out by accident. Um I'm now letting myself put on disposable gloves or dish gloves while I do them. And it somehow is not as terrible as it once was. And I'm like, oh, it was a sensory thing. Sensory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Squishy, it's, oily textures. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because <clears throat> I actually love the feeling of the dishwater on my hands. So no, the sensory fine. piece is so individual. Yeah. Um, because I actually can't stand wearing gloves when I do the dishes. This is so fun. <laughs> and it's hard on my hands because you're washing. And also if you're cooking, you're washing your hands several times and then having to put on gloves and put off gloves. Noted. You know. Wash but, hands but while cooking. <laughs> I put the kettle on when I'm doing the dishes at the end of the day. And oh. that's my way of pairing a pleasurable activity in the sense that once I get a thing done, 
I'm going to have that reward. But I also will often watch videos uh, when I'm, you know, chopping onions or some other really like chores in the kitchen that like you don't you're not, not a lot of you isn't required, but they can be super boring and I can procrastinate. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Podcasts, videos, mm. things like that are so helpful. Now, now I won't say that that makes it so I do them regularly. Executive <laughs> dysfunction is still a thing. Absolutely. <laughs> and I will walk by and go, how long has that sink been full? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I, I actually, so I, this is one I've been trying recently and it seems to be working for me. Okay. Okay. Hang with me on this one. Okay. So what therapists often do is something called a reframe. Okay. Mm. We take the same set of, we take the same set of facts and we give it a slightly different presentation, not in a way that denies anything, so it's not like Pollyanna, happy-go-lucky, toxic positivity kind of thing, but it's just a reframe. Think of it like mental marketing, all right? Okay? It's not, we're not giving you fluoride in the water. No, no, no. We're giving you Dentisure 1000, okay? Oh, God. Okay, so, so, oh, hang with man. me on this, okay? My chores are no longer chores in my brain. Oh, no. They're life maintenance. Life maintenance. Oh, life I now get the marketing thing. Okay. I thousand percent get that They're, now. It's life maintenance. I'm invest Trevor, I'm investing in me with life maintenance. <laughs> I'm making sure that... No, and it's weirdly empowering. No, okay? I'm sure it is. It just sounds funny. <laughs> this, okay, all right, all right, so, right. But when I'm the, cleaning in, the toilet, I'm thinking, I kid you not, sometimes I pay someone to do this. Hey, teenagers! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, calling in Which, help is helpful too. Calling in true, that's redundant, true. but also accurate. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> it's... This is, main, this is empowering me, okay, mm -hmm. to help main, extend the life of my service vehicle. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. When you were like, uh, it's this thing uh, called reframing. And I, I immediately thought, oh, I take my mental illness to Michael's. <laughs> get, yes. get a new frame put yes. on it. <laughs> That's what we do, I was literally visualizing a frame. Okay. I was. For those who aren't in the United States where there isn't a Michael's, Michael's is a place that you can take paintings and get them reframed, but also like craft stuff. Craft but, you know, they yeah. charge a lot for framing they stuff. Do. Well, the custom oh stuff. God. Yeah. But yeah. but in America, so uh, is therapy. Uh <laughs> Fair enough. We have Michaels in Canada too. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yes. uh, that that if I ever move there now, my wife will be extremely happy. She'll be fine. Yes. It's a nice big one, not far from me, in fact. But but yeah, it's I've been reframed. It's been working lately, and I've been feeling empowered, not knowing that I'm do I'm not doing the drudgery of chores. I'm investing in me, Mitra. I'm investing in Doctor B. I'm being my doctor best self by engaging in life maintenance. <laughs> And now I'm picturing Leonardo DiCaprio leaning in towards you go, sell me this dish soap. <laughs> this dish soap is hey. going to be soft on your hands and even softer on your heart. I'm in. I take my money. Okay, we're going to go to Do the next question. Do you like soft, well-manicured hands as an investment in you? Oh, as you an investment. Okay, go. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're going to go to the next one, which uh, we, we talked about previously, and y'all have some feels on it, and they're opposite feels of what you're having right now. Oh no. 
Uh, this is uh, from ooh, uh, Helix Century. Uh, the thing that <sighs> really frustrates me is when folks try to say that ADHD is a gift or that it has benefits. It always feels like it comes from a very privileged place and really leaves behind people who don't experience whatever gifts are being attributed to ADHD. Where do you want to start I mean, with that one? I, I agree, first of all, 100%. Um, I think it is a privileged place because I think of the supports in my life that have worked and allowed me then to be in a place of good executive functioning. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a very right brain thinker. I think this is sometimes what they're getting at when they talk about ADHD and creative gifts, you know. Um, but while right brain thinking is great when you've got a safe container in which to act in your life, and by that I mean a certain amount of stability, um, you know, a certain not having to worry about where your next meal is coming from, let's say, um, because the trouble is ADHD is often closely connected with anxiety. And, um, and so if things aren't stable in your life and your executive functioning isn't going to do so well, and you're going to have an increased amount of anxiety, which is also normal if you're just trying to cope with day-to-day -day things. And I totally remember struggling as a student in my 20s. Uh, mm -hmm. Early 20s, trying to get through university, still fairly new to Canada, you know, trying to cope, um, trying to hold down work as well as school um, and, it, and, and adjust to a new culture. I'm going to say, yeah, my executive functioning wasn't great. I bombed out of university the very first time I tried. Um, I think it was in early second year because first year our classes had been really small and second year they were huge. Um, and it was all very terrifying and overwhelming. And there wasn't enough stability to hold the space. So when I sat down to do the so-called creative process of writing, it was a creative writing degree, it was really hard to actually allow for that side of me um, to come out. You know, in other words, I had severe writer's block as well. So mm -hmm. assignments were late or didn't get done. I think you get the idea. Yeah. So, you know, I contrast that to later on once there was more stability and I was able to do things. So you can see how we can all experience that, whether ADHD or not. But most definitely the executive function issues when there is no stability are really going to increase and it's going to be much more of a challenge to make life work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get really frustrated with this idea of gifts. Um, and we also talked about when you look at this question of, oh, but you've got gifts, it feels like from an ableist perspective that people don't want to acknowledge the ways in which things might be harder yeah. for those who are neurodivergent. And I'm sure that Dr. B has plenty to say because we were talking about it. So please, you Re shared some really... Real, qu real quick before you do, I do want to say one thing, though, to mm -hmm. people who may be watching this or listening to this later or right now that do have ADD ADHD and you do feel like it is a superpower or it is uh, it does have its gifts. If that motivates you and makes you feel good, that's fine. We're, we're, we're mainly talking about like, you know, a neurotypical person who be like, oh, I'm so jealous. You, you can hyper focus on things like, mm. yeah, but yeah. If you have ADHD and that does make you feel good, and it doesn't power you. That's totally fine. We're not saying anything wrong with that. If that's what makes it work for you. That's what makes it work for you. So first of all. Rude gestures. <laughs> <off camera. laughs> 
for audio listeners, go watch the video. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's not saying what, but you know. So. Oh, man. I have a problem with the ADHD autism is a superpower framework. Okay. Not that some of us don't have strengths. Okay. We do. There are demonstrated strengths that a lot of us have when we have ADHD and autism diagnoses. Now, however, one, this ignores the fact that a significant number of those of us on the spectrum also have intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. Okay. There is a lot of stereotype around the idea of the savant that you must be gifted in some level yep. when a num when so many people who are on the spectrum who, who have ADHD are not necessarily gifted in the way we would think about it. But here's my bigger issue with it. We shouldn't have to be exceptional to be accepted. Yes. Okay. We don't yes. need to be above average to have value. Yeah. And this makes me so mad. The idea that in order for us to have any sort of value to society, we have to be in some way exceptional instead of just being people. Yeah. 100%. That is, that is the biggest problem that I have with this narrative. If you hold to this narrative and this is how you, if this, if this is how you function in the world because you see yourselves as gifted, then great. If this gives you the strength to function throughout things, to get through the challenges that we all have, that those of us who have ADHD and autism diagnoses to look at your strengths as a true gift, then great, awesome. I don't wanna take that away from you. What I'm saying is we shouldn't have to look at it that way in order to feel value. Yeah. And I don't want, and so often the people who say it to me are not people who are autistic. Mm -hmm. They're the people who are trying to quell their own discomfort mm -hmm. at my struggles. They're the same people who would say to me, well, we're all a little autistic. Well, you know what? We're not. Mm -hmm. We're okay? not. How dare you equate your periodic awkwardness with my constant struggle to exist in a world that is not built for me? Yep. How dare you? It makes it very, very difficult as well for those of us who struggle with autism or ADHD to acknowledge within ourselves that we are truly different and that something is up with our thinking. In other words, it makes it even worse for us to come to terms with what we're dealing with. Yep. And if you do have to be exceptional to be accepted, how easy is it for us to accept ourselves? Never mind others accepting us, but how easy is it for us to feel like we are okay as we are? And honestly, the way to get through this in terms of neurodivergence of any kind is first to accept yourself, to feel okay as you are, because from that place, we can move on, first of all, to no longer compare ourselves to other people, but rather to compare ourselves to us. How was right. I doing yesterday? How am I doing today? That's so crucial. And then from there, building from our own strengths. But if somebody's telling me I should have a superpower and it's a potential I'm not rising to, well, we all know how we feel about right. potential versus reality and the guilt and upset and the sense of shoulds around that. Right. Yep. We, I, I, again, I want to say this again and again and again. Our intrinsic worth, our value should come from our simple existence, not the idea that we are in some way exceptional 
Mm-hmm. That is not a prerequisite mm-hmm. to having value. As soon as you bring the idea of worthiness into love, you bring the idea of not worth into not love. And that is just not okay mm-hmm. in, on any level. Yeah. A baby is born. Do they have to prove themselves to their parents? No, they experience love. And it is that unconditional love that helps us understand we are worthy. From that place, we develop and grow and have potential and are able to see to some degree with the support of those around us what that potential might look like. That's love and that's worth. And that has nothing to do with these kinds of judgments. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else to say other than well said by both of you. That was fantastic. Dr. B is making an angry face. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I see. And it's funny. So often through my life, people are people say, oh, well, you're just so you are a nice person. And I just can't imagine you angry. And I'm like, I'm an angry elf. I mean, <laughs> that's really the truth. Oh, I get enraged. I'll be honest. I would love to see Dr. B angry about a mile away through binoculars. Uh. (laughs) There's just so many. Listen, this is what drives my career. The idea that people uh, that people struggle through these through these things and they shouldn't have to. Yep. And I'm angry at the injustice of it. Yeah. Let's struggle about the right things. Yeah. As in there's things worth struggling for, for sure. But this right. isn't one of them. Somebody in the comments was saying, I wish children didn't have to prove themselves to their parents. hundred yeah. percent. You know, when we had our kids, one of the things we thought is, yeah, the world's going to be tough enough. Yeah. We need to show them we are on their side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that there aren't moments of, hey, this thing you, you want to improve, you're talking about, let's talk about how you could do that. Mm-hmm. But that's very different. That is still, I am 100% in your corner. Yes. Yes. Um, purely for time, uh, we're, we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, I, I, amazing stuff said there. I, I, I hate to cut it off, but we, we can touch on that one in a later episode. Because, yes, there will be more. Um so this is coming from episode 15, which was about anxiety. Oh, our favorite. Uh, something I'm not sure re- I want to hear this. <laughs> something really witty said, question, uh, do either of you have any tools or resources or recommendations to help with phone anxiety due to uh, CPTSD? Uh, oh, complex PTSD. There we go. Yeah. CPT, uh, yeah, CPTD. You got me doing it. <laughs> It's a lot of letters. (laughs) (laughs) Complex post-traumatic stress disorder. There you go. PTSD. So I wanted to comment that I actually see a lot of um, clients who deal with anxiety and therefore also often deal with phone anxiety. This is super common, um, which doesn't make it easy to deal with. I'm not minimizing it for a second. Um, So with phone anxiety, I I can make a couple of suggestions of things that potentially could be useful to try. Um, One is thinking about when you're timing the call so that you're not exhausted, you don't have some big thing to do afterwards. You can think about giving yourself a break, like after the call, you can maybe think about talking to someone whom you care about before you make the call and say, okay, I'm going to make the call. Like sometimes this is as, as I have to call this 
bureaucratic office to talk about a thing. Sometimes I have to call someone back and it's stressful. Sometimes it's a, you know, so usually there's, it doesn't matter what it is. It's not unusual for there to be stress associated with calls, um, particularly if they're not to our dear friends, you know. Mm-hmm. So talking to someone who you feel is in your corner before you make the call and then checking in with them after can be really helpful in terms of feeling like there's someone there. Now, they might be there in person. They might be someone you text. They might be someone you are comfortable calling. Sometimes having a call with someone you actually are okay being on the phone with before having a difficult one can kind of act as a bit of a warm-up, for example. I think in a previous episode, we sort of talked about anxiety avoidance and control and how if we can bring some control to something that's making us anxious, it can be easier to get to it versus avoiding. And so these kinds of things are about creating a little bit of control and also support in your life before tackling. So being in the presence of another person um, who is supportive when you're making the call, writing out what you have to say ahead Mm. of time, whether it's bullet points or even just a bit more of a script, just to kind of know what you're going to say so the thoughts don't leave uh, your brain in that moment because of anxiety. Um, So those are those are some some things I can think of. Yeah, no, I'll be honest. uh, I'm going to use that uh, writing down points one because that is uh, a great idea. Now, I can say it works, but uh, uh, right now I'm like, sounds good. Because um, one of the if, if if somebody came to me uh, as a client and said, I'm having I'm struggling to talk on the phone. My what my first course of action would probably p- probably be to figure out what's driving it. Mm. Because, uh, you know, we've talked about this before and the idea that mental health struggles are outward manifestations of internal struggles. Okay, those are the mental health symptoms that we exhibit, the behaviors that are associated with internal struggles. And we can have similar behaviors for a lot of different internal reasons. It's part of the reason when somebody has, you know, people have come to me in the past and said, you know, doc, I'm having a hard time concentrating. I have ADHD. My my usual response is, hold on there. Do you know what diagnoses affect attention? And if you say all of them, you're right. Um, it's there's It's so much trickier than that. And so my my question is, What's the underlying cause? And that's what I would work with with that client to figure out, is this a fear of what the person is going to say? Is this a way of avoiding reminders of past trauma? Is this a lack of control? Is this all sorts of things? And we would try and put in supports specifically addressing that need Mm -hmm. and that fear. And um, that's also interestingly why these questions are can't really definitively offer yeah suggestions for individualized uh individualized questions like that absolutely that's what it's it's one of the reasons i i didn't go there but generally yeah yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack about that but it is important to bring it in so i'm i'm glad you said it i threw out some possible tools but we don't know which ones are going to work um for each individual and also if this were something going on for a client of mine, we would also be talking about what else is happening and where it mm-hmm. came from. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but you, I mean, you mentioned some really common ones that a lot of people use Mitra. Um, I, I, myself, I love the talking points. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I genuinely wish I had known that in my previous office job because that would have made certain days a, uh, I, I believe it would have made it a lot easier because there were uh, some very <laughs> unkind people that I had to talk to. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that definitely makes it a lot harder. Yeah. That's aversion therapy right there. I'm just yeah. never getting on the phone after that. <laughs> um, I do think that if, if, there's ang- if there's some serious anxiety around the phone and it, there's probably anxiety somewhere else as well mm-hmm. and and so that's something that's really worth getting some support with yeah because getting to that those underlying reasons can really help and and also it makes it easier for us to kind of cope with our own feelings you know if i feel like oh I just feel silly about this. Or why is this so hard for me? Well, it's good to understand why it's hard for you so that you can be kinder to yourself when you're dealing with it. Yeah. 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 Goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Um, our next one is going to be from uh, uh, episode 19, Being a Good Friend. And this is from our, our good friend, RoboGoblin01. Uh, Rebo! Uh, okay, you know what? I haven't done this in a while. I'm pulling a tiara out of the pocket dimension. <gasps> okay, hold on. We're doing this. I'm going to, for right. Robo, I'm because Robo does amazing gifts and the tiaras and bow tie one that they did was my favorite. Ooh. <laughs> I was just going to say, I liked it with the hair back, but then he's like doing ooh, that. Ooh, yes. I must switch my hair up. Uh, so uh, Robo Goblin says, how can I be a better listener with my friends? Is saying I hear you better than offering any advice? Ooh. Oh, I want to jump in on this one because this is something we talk about in certain take this trainings a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one of the things that I I teach people when it comes to active listening is don't say I understand, show it, Mm. tell people what you understand. And the cool thing is, the cool thing is if you're going to get it wrong. Okay. Sometimes because you're going to, we all do. Mm-hmm. We're not telepaths. I'd be super anxious if I was. Oh, God. Um, mm. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly. I, and so it's, and so you're making a guess at what people are experiencing, but you're reflecting your understanding of their perspective. And when you get it wrong, letting them correct you without any sort of ego that is a that is often a very effective way to build rapport and show active listening mm-hmm. that the sort of okay this is kind of what I, this is what i think you're saying correct me if i'm wrong or where am, am i getting it i right? love the sentence correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> yeah yeah so this is what i think you're telling me am i hearing you correctly mhm and then letting you letting yourself be corrected Absolutely. Let go of it being about you as a good listener and just listen. Because otherwise, it's easy to get caught up in the I'm not doing this right or I'm not, you know, and we're, st- we're still in our own, our own thoughts at that point. And we want to just set ourselves aside and just be in their world. Mm-hmm. The world of the speaker who's sharing about something. And the more we can be in there and really take it in, the more we can absorb and really appreciate what they're experiencing. And from that place, um, much more emerges in terms of how you respond. Um, I think that advice is a tough one. Uh, I try not to give it unsolicited. I'd like it 
I don't have an issue with saying or hearing from people. Um, so I have a thought about that, or I've got something, I, I wonder if it would be helpful. And I think when presented that way, there's no um, investment on you, the advice givers part, mm -hmm. that they have to take it on. And therefore, for the listener who's hearing it, there's also yes. no sense of compulsion that they have to abide by it. Like it's something you're offering where brainstorming, you know, brain... God, I really can't say this. Brainstorming, not <laughs> brainstalking. Go. I don't even know what brainstalking would. We'll get to that. But brain, uh, it, we're brainstorming it's when you get into a, a brain hide and you're up there for <laughs> lots of hours and you're yeah, just waiting for the... the top of the spinal cord. <laughs> <laughs> As you see, we do get derailed. But uh, yeah, so if, if, it's, if the thought or the suggestion is offered in that way, that it's just an idea or a thought or a suggestion or what do you think? If it's that kind of collaborative process, then no one feels like they have to take it on. Mm -hmm. And then it's just part of feeling supported, right? It's mm -hmm. like, oh, you were really listening and you're, you're just wanting to be helpful and you're wanting to be there and you're doing it in a way that's respectful. Mm -hmm. so. so we've actually got a, a specific tool for this. At, that okay. we teach to take this as part of the trainings that I offer. Uh, I, well, it has been me historically solo, but now we have some wonderful folks who are doing it as well. It's so nice to have a team. Um, and if you can remember extra virgin olive oil, you can remember how to do this. Okay. Okay. E-V-O-O. -O. And it's in a specific order for a reason. Empathize, validate, and then offer options. Yeah. Okay. Very and the good. reason it's in that order is because if you jump into offering options, essentially problem solving, before you have that rapport built, it feels minimizing. And it's such a it's such a human thing to jump in and try and problem solve for people, as we talked about in that episode. But it can also feel minimizing if you don't, if you're not on the same page. Like you spilled your heart to someone, it was hard for you to do, and they come back at you with, have you tried yoga? Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. So you empathize, reflect what they're experiencing, validate, reflect why they're experiencing it, letting them correct you. And once you're on the same page, and I often ask permission, hey, I've got some ideas. Would it be okay if I give some suggestions? That that asking permission to collaborate, it, it, it it's in and of itself, it, it puts the consent on them as yep. well. So you're, you're really serving their needs. I think, I think I've said on the show, but like one of my, one of the things I do now is when, you know, someone is talking to me about something that they're going through or whatnot, I let them talk and then I will say, okay, do you want to vent or do you want uh, advice? Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And go from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I, I have I have a suggestion for uh, take this. Uh, you you get uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes's hat, but the top of it, you put the pattern of a brain on it. Brain stalker, not a deer stalker. Okay, <laughs> I really like that. This is gonna go places. We need some brain stalker hats. Yeah, I want them lined in red. Red on the inside. Right? <laughs> when I think, no, when I think brain stalkers, I think of like Elmer Fudd, but in illithid. <laughs> Basically, I'm very, hunting very rapper. I'm hunting brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh brain season. Oh, oh, and his shotgun is actually going to suck the brains out. Oh, God, wait, okay, wait. this is getting bad. Brain season, what? yoga season. Brain, brain season, season, yoga season. Yoga season. <laughs> Barbarian season. 
We're losing the plot. <laughs> we are. We are. Um, okay. We we got. We got. Just... I was going to throw one oh, more okay, thing go, in about go this. Go for it. Go for it. Just an, and that is that a piece of coming in with empathy is even before you do that is coming in with a sense of not knowing. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we're going to empathize about. We're just going to be in a state of, I'm going to set my preconceived ideas about what's going for you, going on for you to one side. And we are just going to hear what's happening. Then we can properly empathize. That's all I wanted to say. Keep going. Uh, (laughs) As you were. Humility. (laughs) Be the best. (laughs) Brag about how good you are at humility. Okay. Uh, I humilityed real well. Go on. I'm the champion of humility. <laughs> champion of humility. <laughs> All right. Our last one is going to be from uh, a very recent episode, uh, episode 38, Vacations. Uh, this is from Friday underscore CWU. Question Being in Washington State myself, there is uh, such emphasis on doing nothing and maintaining that as a uh, component of work slash life balance. What would you recommend? Uh, what are your recommendations? Uh, okay, yeah. What would your recommendations be to people who have ADHD or other neuro disorders where doing nothing is more stressful than doing all the things? Yeah, I think I think um, I have things to say about that one. Yeah. Um, well, knowing the context, that was probably one of my soapboxes. Um, <laughs> well, so le- one of the things I want to say about that is when I when I talk about doing nothing for myself, I'm talking about doing something that I know is personally restorative for me. And that's really what we want to focus on is doing something that is legitimately restorative mm-hmm. when we're separating ourselves from work and home. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, I, I think about things like uh, an ex- transactionally, it's the kind of it's spell slots, basically. And work requires certain spell slots. I mean, work is definitely not a cantrip for me. OK, <laughs> I can't I can't just give indefinitely yeah works especially certain work tasks they're at least a level five spell slot and so i have to do something to be restorative and for me that's really disconnecting entirely and that's doing nothing but for you it might be something else yeah whatever it is make it restorative i think that that's exactly it and i feel like this is one of those instances where the idea of mindfulness has sometimes been misinterpreted in that it's this idea of like um just sort of sitting and just taking in what's there. Um, It's not effective for everyone. Sometimes in order to sit or to be, because I do think, yeah, we're human beings, not human doings. And if we're always focused on what it is that we're doing, (laughs) we're missing the point of our experience. We're done with the show. We're done. (laughs) I'm I'm cutting the feed. I can't. I never heard that one. Sorry, that broke me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure whether to be pleased with myself <laughs> or worried. <laughs> oh, um, boy. I, so, so I think that whatever, when we call something nothing, we need to think about what it is that we're experiencing as beers versus doers. So for me, that can be just listening to wonderful music or knitting or something really like it's it's doing something for me that is restorative like you said and it's not necessarily having to pick something out of a an accomplishments list right so it's resting from having to prove or achieve or do into a state of 
enjoying and resting and being. Yeah. And what that looks like for you individually is fine, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? For somebody, it might be skydiving. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm going to sit here myself, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. No, like um, over uh, we we had a two week break at the end of the year at CNE, and um, that was like the first time that I've had a job where it's like, here you, you have a break, and switching gears from doing something every day. Uh, I didn't even do I didn't do a podcast during those two weeks. I didn't do heart. anything that was uh, pro, uh like a portfolio building productivity. Okay. Okay, I lied. I did writing, but that was for me. Um, but <laughs> but it, it like it was it was a um uh you know a worry for me about the doing nothing thing because the thing that I always get worried that I'm going to get trapped in is that that feeling like you're in molasses that I know a lot of ADHD people have when they start doing nothing where getting out of that feels like you are just ripping yourself away from that nothing, and so. Yeah, I, I was doing what Dr. B said, where it was uh, like I was doing almost multiple things at a time, whereas like I was uh, I had uh, something uh, streaming from YouTube, but I had my analog pocket. And I was playing an old Game Boy game on it or something like that. Something that like, yeah, if I was a teenager, someone would come in and be like, you're doing nothing with your life. And I'm like, I'm doing great. In this moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm being in a state of enjoyment. Yes. And that was it. It, I was, it was finding things that I enjoyed that I wanted to enjoy in that moment. Um, unfortunately, I just looked at the time and we do have to start wrapping up. Um, but uh, I feel like we we covered a lot of good questions here. We still have so many more. So we, so could, many. we could possibly do another one of these in the future. If you liked this, uh, please let us know uh, uh, on our on our socials or uh, writing into champion psychology at codenameentertainment.com. I know that's a long one, but you know. Uh, but uh, friends, where can people find you on the internet if they would like to do so? Well, me, it's easy and short. So you can find me at mitrajordan.com, which is my website. I'm going like this because I'm thinking of my Twitter, but I'm mentioning my website. Which just goes <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and you can find me at mitrajordan.com as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, this guy, on the other hand. You can find me on all the socials pretty much at the Dr. B. That's T-H-E-E-D-O-C-T-O-R-B as in boy. But you know who you really should follow? Take this org. Yes. That's who you should be following. I should sound more sincere when I say that because I really mean that (laughs) instead of just sort of the corny announcer voice. Hey, you know who you should follow? No, the you uh, you really should. Almost almost all the work I do with in video games and mental health spaces is through Take This. So if you're gonna if you're gonna follow either me or them, make sure to follow Take This org. Hundred percent. You can't Uh, follow us both though. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah, definitely follow uh, them first. Uh, you can follow me afterwards if you uh, if you would like. I'm at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. Uh, you can uh, find all of the way too many podcasts that I do on there. Um, but uh, thank you to Mars for moderating the chat today and doing a fantastic job. And thank you to Codename Entertainment hey, and Take Mars. This for giving us an opportunity to have these conversations. Um, if you missed any part of the show, you can catch it later as a podcast on your favorite podcast service. At some point, I'm not putting a firm time because I have other things to do, but it will happen eventually. Uh, uh, if you have, no, well, actually, I'll, 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 I won't read out the script for this. So, like I said, this is the final episode of season four, uh, which means we are going to take a two week break. 
and then come back with new episodes. But we would like to know what you want to hear us talk about. So please send in your topic suggestions either to championpsychology at codenameentertainment.com or by uh, following any of those social tags that you just heard and tweeting at us what you would like us to talk about. We will add it to a list. Um, but yeah, so two week break, then more show. So we'll, 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 we'll keep it going from there. Um, but uh, yeah, for those of you that are live with us right now, uh, Bardic Inspiration is postponed this week. They will be back next week. Um, and uh, is there anything else? My brain's blank. Uh, it, <laughs> check the schedule that I have on the on our uh, Twitter account for what else you can see today and the rest of the week. But that is going to do it for this week's, ep- well, this week, uh, this season. Uh, so until next season, take care of yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.